0: The first time I can remember noticing my vulva was when I was about four years old and I was helping my nana to change my baby brother's nappy. As she pulled up his legs, I noticed that he had what I described as a join between his legs and asked her what it was. It's where God sews little boys up when he's made them, was her reply. I didn't ask any more, but I remember thinking there was something wrong with me because God had forgotten to complete me. I understood that my brother was a boy, and they had a willy, and girls did not, but that was as far as the difference went, I thought. I felt wrong and ashamed that God had left me incomplete by not sewing me together when he made me. Growing up, I don't remember paying my vulva much attention at all, other than my secret about being unfinished by God. I wouldn't bother to write anything about my relationship to my vulva at this time because I didn't really have one except I have memories of it being common for my brothers to name their penises and for my parents to refer to them, usually to remind them to wash them. I grew up having no relationship to my vulva because I had no reference with which to explore it. No one mentioned what I had between my legs, so obviously it was just nothing. My best friend lived next door to me until I was ten, and whenever it was home time we would pretend to be asleep so I could stay over. We used to chat and play games under the covers, but there was one special secret game that she showed me. I had to lie down and pretend I was sleeping, and she would touch me on a very ticklish spot between my legs, and I had to try not to move. It felt a funny game when we first played it, and it didn't feel right to let her touch me between my legs, but she was a few years older than me, and she was my friend. I never told anyone about the special secret tickling game, It felt like we were being naughty, but also, when she had touched that part, it felt really good. We lost contact when I moved to a new house, but I received a phone call from the police a few years back to ask if I had any memories of being touched inappropriately by her father. My hate relationship with my vulva started not long after starting secondary school. My friend came and sat next to me for assembly. We all sat cross-legged on the floor. She leaned over and said quietly in my ear, I can smell your fanny. I just remember wanting the floor to swallow me up and to disappear. Now it seemed as if everyone was talking about fannies and vages, how smelly they were, how bloody they were, how floppy they were, how disgusting they were, how hairy they were, how painful they were, how you were a slut if you let anyone touch it, but you were stuck up if you didn't. Educationally, I learnt not to let a penis in unprotected and to wear tampons when swimming on your period. I didn't see much porn during my adolescence, but I felt its education through the boys in class. I learnt that to be wanted by boys you had to have a pussy, and a pussy was hairless, neat, odourless, tasteless, never bled, was always wet, smooth, and was only there for boys to do sex with. I definitely didn't have a pussy. And when I was alone, I would burn myself with hair removal cream, pull out my inner labia, and think about cutting it off with scissors. I never shared this shame with anyone at that time. It was normal for the girls to call the names loudest so that they wouldn't fall prey to the boys' bullying. I was quite late to the sex game, and my early sex life was pimping my vulva in exchange for affection. I didn't find sex particularly enjoyable, and I would spend the whole time trying to divert attention away from me. If these men actually realised what horror lay in my knickers, then surely they would recoil in disgust. So I made it all about them while I saved up for a labiaplasty that would instantly make me desirable, thin, likeable, have awesome wavy hair, perfect everything with perfect labia and a perfect man. I never went through with the surgery. I started university at the age of 27 instead. I studied theatre and eventually found that bodies and challenging the ideals placed upon them was my passion. My world suddenly opened up and I finally found a group of people talking about what is normal and personal for them. This revolutionised the last ten years of my life. I read everything I could. I watched and cheered as bodies of all sizes and types were laid bare and celebrated because they were people and not a sum of their parts. I turned my naked body and stood on a stage in front of critical eyes, also scared eyes, intrigued eyes, mainly scared. Oh no, not pubes. I wanted to help people to feel positive about their bodies. But first, I needed to really learn to have a loving and accepting relationship with myself and my vulva. I no longer cared what other people thought about me, but I secretly didn't like myself. I started to take part in body-positive events. I engaged in skinny dips, topless protests, and I had my vulva photographed for a book, not a sexy one. I started to explore my sexuality and spirituality, and found supportive groups of people who I could talk to openly and honestly and with acceptance. I became a vulva advocate. Viva la vulva! I started to really appreciate the way my vulva felt. We started dating, properly getting to know each other. I found my vulva's scent comforting. I loved how the inside of my labia felt like rose petals. We really got to know each other. I wanted to take part in Lydia's project because I felt that having a cast of my vulva would be another great way to open up conversations about vulvas. If I can add my own unique, weird, wonderful, crazy, beautiful vulva into a project that broadens the spectrum of what is normal and what isn't shameful, then we are one step further to accepting and loving ourselves. As people, we spend so much time and effort in pulling ourselves apart because we're too hairy, too dark, too spotty, too dangly, too smelly, too puffy, too dry, too much, of everything. Perhaps if we knew from an earlier age the range of unique and wonderful combinations, then we wouldn't spend so much of our time, effort and feelings and money on trying to make everything smaller. Perhaps if vulvas were less taboo in this society... There would be more orgasms, and more consent, and more fulfilling sexual and emotional connections. Now that sounds like a party to me. Perhaps we shouldn't be shrinking ourselves. Perhaps others need to grow. This is why vulva diversity needs to be celebrated. Perhaps if I had known my own anatomy at an earlier age, it wouldn't all have felt like such a secret and a start to the shame. Perhaps it could have helped my childhood friend whose father was found guilty of offences against children. Perhaps if my teenage friends and I had spoken about what we had going on between the legs, we could have supported one another rather than join in with the mockery. This is why Lydia's art is so important and vital right now. Can you imagine how much more energy girls and women would have if they weren't made to feel unconfident by unrealistic beauty and porn ideals? How much more money we would have if we didn't spend so much on trying to change what is perfectly normal? I'm not against hair removal or surgery. It's your body and you do what makes you feel good. But explore the options first and make sure you know what feels good for you. How do you know a Frida-inspired Merkin is not for you? Lydia's art gives you all the options in abundance. Hooray! Look at all that crazy individual beauty. My relationship with my vulva has changed by taking part in Lydia's project. I had a great internal relationship with my vulva going on, and when looking at another person's vulva, I always found them spectacular. When I saw an image of my own... The critical, nasty, shame brain would light back up and my reaction would be, ugh. I spoke about this with Lydia during the casting, and I think we are our own worst critics. Coming face to vulva with my casting was a real experience. It was undeniably my vulva. The skin texture, the hairs, the extra long wave hello left labia. The difference this time was that, instead of wanting to cut off that left labia with scissors, I thought it was beautiful, like a velvet-draped curtain. Thank you so much, Lydia, and I hope that someone, somewhere, will see my vulva and turn to their friend and openly say, Mine's a bit like that one.